Well, good morning. We are excited to start a new series today and uh, full of joy. And the hope and the goal of it is over the next couple of weeks that we think about what it means to have joy no matter what the circumstances are. In fact, in the Bible, uh, Paul said this in the book of Philippians. He said, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Philippians 4.12. He has learned the secret to being content in any and every situation. And that really is kind of that elusive goal that we're going to be seeking over the next several weeks. I want to know kind of that secret. I want to know Paul's secret to what it's like to be content no matter what is going on around me. And I think it really kind of is a secret in a way. It's one of those things that it's more than just like information. It is kind of an art. It's kind of something that takes practice over time. It's something that takes experience and going through different things and realizing you can withstand even in those difficult moments. And so so when Paul says it's kind of a secret, he's not saying he's trying to hide it from us. In fact, the, the book of Philippians that we'll be going through over the next four weeks He lays it out and kind of explains how he's come to this place. But I really think it's something that takes time. And it's something that takes work and it takes effort. And so um, that's what our challenge is through this series. So the next four weeks is we're going to try to learn the secret. Learn the secret to what it means to be content. No matter what is going on. So we're going to jump right into it. Like I said, I have to be brief today because the most important thing today we're going to do is we're going to do some baptisms. That's by far and away the most important thing uh, we're going to do today. So, um, but uh, we're going to start in Philippians chapter 1. And so if you want to turn there, we're going to be doing one chapter of Philippians each of the next four weeks. And so Philippians chapter 1 uh, And I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but I encourage you to follow along with me at home and take some time to to like read through this book kind of slowly as you go along. So um, take some time this week to read the entire chapter of Philippians chapter one. But I'm going to read starting in verse three. It says this. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So he opens up this book and this book really is a book that is giving us a picture of being full of joy. And he opens it up and he says, I am joyful. I am thankful. I am pumped up and excited. And I pray with joy. And why? It says, because I am confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until completion. He who started something in your life will will continue that on. And so I think this is a nice little key as we start this conversation that it's really Paul is laying out there. You can be filled with joy because the God of the universe who began something that is good in you is going to is going to complete that is going to finish that. Let me put it in another words is essentially he's saying 
I know you guys. I know what's going on in your life. And you're going down a good path. And it's going to lead to good things. That's where you're going. I know, I know who you are. I know something has started in your life. And it, you're going the right direction. And it's going to be great. Now, he's not saying that, you know, it's not ever going to have a bump or turn in the road or difficulty or trial. And trust me, he gets into that quite a bit really quickly. But he's saying, I'm, I'm at peace. I am joyful. I am thankful because I know what has been started. Today, in a little bit, we're going we're gonna to have a baptism service. And in that baptism service, it's a picture of kind of this. It's saying, you know what? I feel great this moment forward, this day forward, because I know God has done something in my life. God has forgiven me of my sins. And when God forgives me of my sins, I can trust that God is going to continue to work in my life. That God is going to continue to be faithful. When he says that if I confess my sins before God, that he will wash them away, I can trust that. I'm on a path that is leading to good. I'm, on, on, I'm going in the right direction. I'm, I'm in relationship with my creator. And so in many ways, he's like, I'm feeling good about where you're at. And the question it kind of puts to us at the beginning of this conversation is, is like, first and foremost, we can pray and be joyful at our core if we're on a good path, right? If we're, if we're, if we're walking with God, if we're following with him right now, if we are in relationship with our creator, we can be praying in joy. And that's what he says. He continues on, and I'm going to skip down to verse 12. And he says this. Now I want you to know, and I should say before I get into it, is that Paul mentions just before this, and he mentions it in the part I'm going to read just now, he is writing this from prison. Okay, That is an important context of where he's coming from in this moment in time. It says this in verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, he's talking about being in prison, has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else, I am, a chain, I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and, da- and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Interesting words there, but he's saying he's rejoicing. Paul is in jail, and he is, he's in jail again. And it's interesting, he's writing this to the people in Philippi. In Acts chapter 16 in the Bible, Paul had this sort of a vision, that he had a vision that somebody from that area was calling and saying, come and help us. He had this vision, and he He said, I need to get to this area. I need to go there. And so he went and traveled a great distance to get to this town of Philippi. 
And actually, when he showed up there, he had this interesting encounter where um, he was thrown in prison. And Acts chapter 16 talks about all the weird details that I'm not going to get into today that made him get thrown into prison, him and Silas, who was with them. And guess what happened when Paul got, got thrown in prison in Philippi? What he did is he started singing songs. He was hanging out there and singing songs. And this is what happened is all of a sudden, miraculously, the chains broke and the, the doors of the prison opened. And the jailer was there thinking they're going to escape and he's going to be in trouble. And he drew his own sword to take his own life. And Paul said, stop. Don't do that. It, we're not going anywhere. You're fine. And he led him to Christ. So, so hang on a second. Let's get the, the stories of all of this straight. Paul is writing to his friends in Philippi who are a part of the church. Okay? He's writing more than likely to this guy. Okay? This guy who accepted Christ when he was jailed. So can you imagine them getting this letter and they're like, all right, let's read Paul's letter. This is awesome. Paul started this church. Paul, we know Paul. Paul, who is Paul? Guess what? Paul's in jail again. Are you kidding me? He's in jail again. He's in jail, probably in Rome at this time. You're like, oh, Paul, what kind of craziness is Paul up to again? And he's like, Paul's in jail again. They're like, hey, Bob, weren't you the prison guard when Paul was in jail here? Are you sick? Get over it. Bob, Paul's in jail again. What is he up to this time? What is he going to do this time? And they're like, come on, let's read what Paul has to say. And, and everybody, can you imagine the context of that? Them getting this letter and saying, we know about Paul. We know what happens when Paul's in jail. And he's saying, yep, I'm in jail again. But guess what? I think some good things are going to happen for me being in jail. And them reading this story and saying, yeah. Probably something crazy is going to happen. Something wild is going to happen when Paul is in jail. And Paul is, Paul's like, it's going to be all right. Can you, um, can you imagine having that kind of spirit and attitude that he is in a moment of suffering, of difficulty? You would think and hope that this guy who's starting all these churches all around wouldn't be like hindered with, you know, like things like spending couple years in jail here or there you know but he doesn't even have that attitude he's like i'm in jail again uh but i think it's gonna be a good thing something is good is gonna come from it something is gonna happen that is gonna lead towards something else and when i'm in jail guess what crazy stuff happens and christ is preached and it's okay and he even goes into this other paragraph here where he says you know what? Some people preach about Christ and they have bad, false motives. And sometimes they're like faulted people that preach about Christ. He's like, well, at least Christ is being preached. And he's like, that's all right. It's all right. Uh, we should always preach with, with good intentions and good motives and all those things. And that's important. But he's saying, in the end, the, the message about Christ is being preached. Whether I'm in prison whether I'm not, whether whatever is going down, it's go the message is going to get out and something is going to happen that makes an impact on somebody else. So I, I don't know if this is part of the secret here that Paul is giving to us, but it's got to be a, a, a part of it, right? To just look at the suffering or the circumstances that you might be in and think 
Is there something good that could come out of this? Is there something positive that could come as a result? Because he had the mindset that, you know, whatever I do, wherever I'm at, um, I, something good is going to happen because of what I'm going to do and what I'm going to proclaim and the attitude I'm going to bring. I am increasingly convinced that in life, um, circumstances in life really add up to about 10% of our happiness quotient. I really, I really, the older and older I get, I'm starting to believe more and more. About 10% of the factor is the circumstances that are going around us. And really 90% of it is how we respond to it. I really am convinced of that. And, and this kind of attitude, you see Paul, who's imprisoned again. You can imagine, it doesn't matter what 10% happens to him that is beyond his control. He's figured out the secret to contentment in any situation, no matter what. He doesn't care what's going to happen in that 10%. He will be the person he needs to be. He has learned that secret. He continues on as he's trying to encourage the people who are there, his friends that he really knows. And he says in verse 27, it says this, whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So no matter what, make sure you do the right thing. Then, whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you're going through the same struggles I had, and now here that I still have. So Paul is saying that even though he's going through this moment, even though uh, this is going on, he's just encouraging them. He says, no matter what difficulty you face, keep fighting through. You're going to face opposition. You're going to face it. Essentially, what Paul is saying right here is he says, and this is, this is a different version, but he says, hate is going to hate. That's what he says. You got me there? All right, all right. That's, that's what he really said. He says there's going to be people that are going to try to disrupt what you're doing. And you know what that tells you is that those are the people that are, are really kind of going down the wrong path. You're on the right path. You're going down the right path, and God is going to carry that out. And what you need to do is you need to not get focused by all these other things. Keep going down that right path. And there's other people that are going down the wrong path. And you know what? Because of that, they're going to oppose you. They're going to have a problem with what you're doing. There's always going to be people in life that oppose what you're doing if you're going down the right path. And the struggle is kind of a picture of... You know, it's kind of almost a mirror to them of, of what's going on in their own life. And it's something that we, should, we, should, we shouldn't be frightened by that. We shouldn't be frightened by them. Instead, it says, continue on. Carry on. Keep doing what you're doing. And there will be moments in time that you suffer for the name of God. But you know what? Be joyful in that. Because you know you're going down the right path. You're going down the right path. Um, about, well, a month ago yesterday, 
I got a phone call in the morning about uh, 7 o'clock in the morning from Cassandra Shaver, who is a part of our church. And she called me in tears saying, uh, Tyler, Elena has had a stroke this morning. And she got uh, airlifted, flighted to the airport, and it is not good. And she said, I just wanted to call you, and I just want to hear your voice and just tell people to be praying for us. And I said, all right, let me know what we can do. Um, we're praying for you. Um, and I remember uh, later that day, I went and visited Elena in the hospital. Elena had just given birth three weeks prior to her first child, a, a daughter, Octavia. So three weeks before that, gave birth, is starting a new life, is, is moving down that path. And all of a sudden, a massive major stroke and I remember going into that hospital and just thinking as, as, you know, as the baby is hanging around, oh boy, what is this going to be? What is, how is this going to go? And uh, coming into the hospital room and Elena was not responsive at all. And she wasn't able to speak and her family was around. And they were saying, they said, you know, they just don't even know what to tell us right now because it's, it's, just, it's just such an urgent moment. It's an emergency situation. They said, we can't tell you what the prognosis is in any way at all. It's just we, we have to take it not day by day, hour by hour right now because we have no idea what's going on. And uh, we don't know exactly what the source of the blood clot was that caused the stroke and all this stuff. But it is an emergency situation. And we prayed together, unsure what was going to happen. And a couple of days passed, and kind of the, the prognosis was she would be in, um, they thought her mind was good, but she would be in intensive care for six weeks, probably at least. And they said at least three months of rehab before she could even think about going home. So this is going to be multiple months and they're trying to figure out how is this going to work financially? What are we going to do? All of this stuff. How are we going to take care of the baby? Um, just major, major stuff, right? And so we're there praying. And um, a couple of days later, I, I came and visited Elena again. And for the first time, she was able to kind of have a conversation with me and talk to me and uh, be responsive. And, and it was really positive for me just to kind of see that personality come back and be able to have a conversation with her. And she said something that really bothered me, okay? Something that I never say when I visit people in situations like this. And I never say it, like, in different, different situations. And, and this is me. I probably should. But I never say it. But she said this. She said, something good is going to come from this. That's what she said. She said, something good is going to come from this. God. God's going to do something good. And I'll tell you why I never say this. And I pro maybe I should. But I never say it because it feels so, it feels like, like this is a terrible situation right now, right? And I hate saying like, hey, it's good. You know, it's not a good situation. We understand that, right? She's in a hospital bed and she can't walk and she can't feel half of her body and she can barely speak. And it's like, I, I'm not going to go into that situation and tell them, hey, this is a good thing. It, because it's not. Right? It's a, it's a horrible, horrible, awful thing. And so I never say that. And, and when she said it, I almost like, oh, you know, I almost had a little reaction to it. Like, kind of, like, no, come on. This is, this is not a good thing, okay? Like, I, I didn't say anything. I just kind of bit my lip. Uh, but at that moment in time, it's something that I never say in a situation like that. 
Um, and the next time I came back is she was doing much better. And she was like, she was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to, I'm, I'm working on, I'm going to be able to hold my baby and, and I'm going to be able to do this. She's like, I just wish I could move this stinking hand. And she, you know, she's like talking and talking and like all this stuff and she's smiling and laughing and making jokes and like all this stuff. And, and, and like, everybody's like, man, this, this is awesome. She is who she was before a person of joy. And she's always been a person of joy. Um, Yesterday, I visited Elena again, and she had just come out of rehab about an hour prior, and this is a video of her yesterday in rehab, and I want to show you this, so go ahead and watch this real quick. Yesterday in rehab, she was doing this, and she was doing great, and she was taking some steps with help, and uh, um, all of these things, and she told me, she said, guess what, Pastor Tyler? She said, I'm already touching people. That's what she said. She said, there was a guy in there that had an amputated leg, and he was just having a tough day. And he was there in rehab, and he was struggling, and it was hard, and Elena just sat up, and she said, I know it's hard. She said, I know. I can't move my left side either. I know it's tough. I, I understand. But you got to do it. You got to keep working on it. You got you to gotta try. You can do it. And he was like, all right. And he told her that like, he totally changed kind of his attitude in that moment and really had a good workout and thanked her afterwards and said, I want to, if you can do it, I can do it too. And that's, uh, that's what, how he responded. And so... What has taken place over the course of the, the last month, uh, the doctors and other people around has said has nothing short of miraculous. It's been a miraculous recovery. She is being released on Thursday. Okay? Um, she is, was, has been out of intensive care for a couple weeks. They thought she'd be in there six weeks. This happened just a month ago. And they thought she'd be in rehab for three months. She's going home on Thursday. And uh, she is excited that she gets to spend Thanksgiving and Christmas at home um, instead of in the hospital. And what I will tell you is there is lots of things I think that were going on. There undoubtedly uh, part of the miraculous recovery is good health care. There's no doubt about it. And good people that were working and helping her along. There's no doubt about you know, her being young and resilient and all of, that, all of that was a factor. And no question about it, that prayers were a factor. No question about it. That that was another factor and another piece 
of her miraculous recovery. But let me tell you, this is my theory, just me. I believe there was another aspect to her miraculous recovery. And I believe it was joyfulness. I really do believe that. I really believe in a moment where she could have withered away. She really could have. She had every right to just say, nothing good is going to come of this. What's going on? I'm a brand new mother. She had every right, and maybe if I was in a similar situation, I might have done that. She had every right to do those things, and instead she said, something good is going to come out of this, and I am going to keep working. And I am going to be a person of joy. And she's going to keep smiling and going to keep laughing. This is, this is I, not maybe the entire factor, but it's definitely a factor. It's definitely a part. It's definitely a significant aspect of her recovery, her deciding and saying, I'm going to do everything I can to make the most of this moment in my life and do what I can in this opportunity. There's always going to be suffering and there's always going to be opposition. And the question is, how do we respond to those things? How do we, how do we respond in those moments? What do we do? Uh, this is not an easy, quick fix type of a thing. Over the next several weeks, we're going to keep thinking about this. And I'm, I'm not saying it's just simple, but it's something over the course of Paul's life. He learned a secret. And the secret was that no matter what's going on, he was going to be content. That's the secret he learned. And I don't know about you, but I want to know that secret, right? I want to know that secret. And so choose and seek to be a person of joy because you can be filled with joy because it's God who began a good work in you. And he will carry it on to completion. Will you pray with me? God, I am so grateful and thankful that you have done something in my life. So grateful and thankful that you've worked and you've moved and there's been people in my life that have encouraged me, that I've heard your word, that I've heard your voice. And God, thank you, thank you, thank you that you've started a good work in me. God, I praise you for that. And I trust that you're going to carry something on beyond this. I trust that you have a plan for my life. I trust that I'm going down a path to follow you. And so God... I can be joyful, and I can rejoice. So God, I pray over today and over the next coming weeks that we really think and remember that no matter what comes, God, we're going to do our best to seek joy. Even if it's difficult or counterintuitive, God, we're going to trust that we're on a path for you. And God, I pray, even in the midst of real trial, real suffering, that we would look at that moment and look at that time and say, God, is there something that you can do through me even though I'm going through something really difficult? God, maybe what was meant for evil, you could turn it into good. God, maybe something will come of this that is unexpected. So, God, we thank you, and we praise you, 
And we praise you that today we get to celebrate new life and baptisms and all these great things. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.